God was silent. Have you been there? Are you there now? One of those times when it it seems that God is silent. I can't feel him. I can't hear him. I can't see him. can't find him. Truth is, most of us have been there before. Truth is, some of us are there today. But imagine everyone experiencing that silence, not for a season, not not for a little while, but for 400 years. God says nothing. And then, the first time that God speaks, after all of that time, the the first thing he says comes as a message through an angel. And the angel says to Zechariah and Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby. The second time that God speaks after 400 years of silence, the second time he speaks, he goes to Mary and Joseph at different times in different ways through the angels and says, you're going to have a baby. Mary's reaction is, me? I'm just a normal everyday person. Don't forget her reaction. Me? I'm, I'm going to be that blessed? God, you must really be great to be able to do something that magnificent through someone like me. The first time that God speaks, after 400 years of silence, He speaks through the angel, there's going to be a baby that's born, and that baby's going to point the way to Messiah. The second time he speaks, he says, there's going to be a baby born, and that baby is going to be Messiah. The third time we hear something from heaven, we hear the angel say, man, have I got some good news for you. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. After a moment, after a long period of silence, of yearning, of longing, we finally have great reason to rejoice. Many, many years ago, in the six, late 1600s, there was a teenager whose name was Isaac. Isaac went to church with his parents on a regular basis. And one day he was complaining to his dad, and he said, Dad, the songs they sing at that church are so boring. And dad said, well, why don't you go write some new ones? And at 16, 17 years old, 
Isaac did just that. He went to his bedroom and he started writing hymns. And over time, the hymns that he wrote became the great songs that we sing throughout church history. They, they define our faith. And you and I grew up singing, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, At the Cross. Look in your hymnal one of these days when you really get bored in church and look up all the Isaac Watts hymns. Don't do it right now. <laughs> one of the great hymns that he wrote says, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. This morning, I want to take a few minutes to look at that great old Christmas carol, that great hymn. And as we do, we're going to look at the scripture that inspired it. Isaac Watts went to Psalm 98, and he studied it and read it and thought it through. And what he found in Psalm 98 was transformed, if you will, into the words that he wrote for the hymn. Matter of fact, that was actually very controversial and he got in trouble for it because there were those who said, if you're going to sing a hymn, you, you should take it verbatim, line by line, word for word, and only sing that hymn. He got in trouble for kind of paraphrasing what he learned in that hymn. You and I have grown up being transformed by the theology that we, that we get from the song. And it has stayed in our church life this long for a reason. I want us to look together very quickly this morning. As we look at the hymn and we look at the psalm and we find three reasons to rejoice. Let's start in Psalm 98 at verse 1. Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. The psalmist says, sing a song, sing a new song. Let's get happy, people. That's what he means when he said, let's sing a new song. He's saying, we have reason to celebrate Let's sing a new song because God has done some marvelous things. He says his right hand and the right hand in scripture always represents authority and power. So he says by his power, and not only by his right hand, but by his holy arm. So by his power and his holiness, his authority as the only true God, he has worked salvation out. The Lord has made known his salvation. Now look, he has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. How does that happen? How does God reveal his righteousness? How does he do marvelous things in the sight of the nations? In other words, they no longer have to hope. They no longer have to just trust and have faith. Now they have seen something. He did something so marvelous and so wonderful that it showed his righteousness and his power to all the nations. What might that have been? 
the psalmist is looking forward through the ages and he knows that Messiah is going to come in a very physical, very real, very literal way. And when Messiah comes, that is God in skin, demonstrating for all his righteousness and his power. The psalmist in Psalm 98 is looking forward to the birth of Jesus, and so he says that God has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. And so Isaac Watts says, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king, let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Sing a new song, because we have reason to rejoice, because the king has come. Joy to the world. The psalmist tells us that we don't need to wait until we get to heaven to sing the Lord's song. We can do so today. We have reason to rejoice. We have good news of great joy. Later, Jesus is teaching and he tells his disciples, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I think too often we think that Jesus came to give them the theology they need to understand life. He said, I came that, you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy then would be full. The first reason that we have to rejoice is simple, that Christ redeems. He redeems. And because he redeems, we have reason to rejoice. We have reason to sing a new song. We have reason to celebrate that he has indeed come. He comes to redeem. There was a believer in Zimbabwe many years ago. And this believer tried to give a New Testament to a man who didn't want to receive it. Very disgruntled, very angry. He didn't want the, the New Testament. He didn't want to talk about God. So the man told the believer, if you give me that New Testament, I'm going to tear it out page by page, and I'm going to roll those pages and use them to make cigarettes. So the, the believer said, that's fine, I understand. But at least make me a promise that you'll read each page as you roll it. Surprisingly, the man agreed to do that. The two went their separate ways. Fifteen years later, those two men met at a Christian convention in Zimbabwe. And the scripture-smoking pagan, as he became known, told his believing friend that he had found Christ and was now an evangelist himself, a guest speaker at the convention, he told the audience that day his story, and he said, I smoked Matthew, and I smoked Mark, and I smoked Luke, but when I got to John 3.16, I couldn't smoke anymore. The birth of Jesus brings joy to the world because he redeems to redeem is to buy someone, the original term was to buy someone out of slavery in order to set them free. To redeem means to make something that is dead and make it alive. 
we have reason to rejoice because Christ redeems. The second reason that we rejoice at Christmas is because Christ restores. Not only does he redeem, but he restores as well. Let's continue in our psalm, and you'll hear the psalmist sing beginning in verse 3. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Again, notice the emphasis on seeing. That means that something physical and visible was going to happen. Jesus was going to come in a very real way. Verse 4, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Bring forth all joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre. With the lyre and the sound of melody, with trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together. Isn't it interesting how he calls on nature to sing and to celebrate? He calls on nature to to praise the Lord. In other words, he says everything is going to change when Jesus comes. Christ not only redeems, but he restores. You remember what happened all the way back in the beginning? God creates all that is. His final creation is man. He steps back and he says, this is very good. And man... He then, God then recognizes that man shouldn't be alone, so he creates Eve. You have Adam and Eve in the garden, and they're walking with God, and they're talking with God, and they're hanging out with God. Everything's great and wonderful until, until the enemy tempts Eve to eat the one fruit out of the whole garden that they were supposed to leave alone. She eats the fruit, takes it to the husband. Hey, try this, this is good. They eat it. And because of their disobedience, they're cast out of the garden and now no longer get to experience the presence of God. And when that happened, we call it the great fall because not only did humanity fall away from God's grace, away from God's presence, I should say, not only did we fall away from God's presence, but all of nature was affected. Now there's nothing perfect in the world. Everything has been changed. Everything is messed up. Nothing ever goes completely right. Why? Because we live in a fallen, messed up, mixed up world. All of nature has flaws in it now. Everything's messed up. The world has mosquitoes and bananas. It's messed up. But we have reason to rejoice because Christ not only redeems, but he also restores. In the psalm, the song says, sing nature, sing, because something good is happening. And the way Isaac Watts worded it, joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods and rocks and hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. All of nature should sing along, because when Christ comes, 
he restores. Verse 3 of that great old carol says, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. See, thorns are a part of the fall. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Where is the curse found? All over nature. What does Jesus come to restore? Everything. Throughout the land, throughout the earth, everything can be restored in him. And so Paul says in Romans 8, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He says if, if God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can, he can bring life to the dead. That same power now is in you if you're a believer in Christ. And so he can take every dead part of you and bring it to life. He restores. Not only does he restore humankind, not only does he restore each believer, but he will restore all of creation to its original glory. In Revelation 21, it says, He who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. There will be a day when Christ returns and he establishes the new heaven, new earth. He makes all things new and restores everything to its original glory. Not only does Christ redeem and not only does he restore, but Christ reigns. And that's reason for us to rejoice. We have reason to celebrate because he's in charge, because Christ reigns. In our psalm, we can complete the psalm with the last verse. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. He will return as the judge who will set things right. And so Isaac Watts reminds us of that, the fact that the second coming of Christ is just as certain as his first coming. He says in verse 4 of the, the carol, He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness, the wonders of of his love. He rules the world with truth and grace. He will return as the judge to set things right. Christ reigns. The same Savior who came as a baby in Bethlehem will one day return as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. After a called strike, the rookie batter got so frustrated with that call that he threw his bat high up into the air in anger and protest. With quick thinking, the umpire turned to that rookie and said, son, if that bat comes back down, you're out of the game. In the same way, you can be sure that Christ is coming back. And you can be sure that we will stand before him and he will set all things right. That's good news. 
through faith in Christ, the one who came to die for us, we can live through him because he came to redeem, to restore, and to reign. Joy to the world.